What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Pele leaned in and said something to Freddie. Don't let them change you. Keep working on what makes you different and what makes you special. It was great advice, but it caused me some problems. But what could change Freddie do? Soccer is going to explode and it's going to be around this kid. We were the Beatles. Everywhere we went, it was the Freddie show. And with that came the expectation and with that came the pressure. New episodes of American Prodigy drop Tuesdays from Blue Wire Podcasts. Hey, flamethrowers, Amir here with a burn it all down hot take. There was an announcement that made shockwaves across the internet yesterday when Major League Baseball announced that they were going to recognize the Negro Leagues as a major league. That means 3,400 players from seven leagues um, that operated roughly between 1920 and 1950 will now be considered major leaguers. Um, This was an attempt to right historical wrongs and also will have implications for record books. I wanted to parse this out, and there's no better person to do that with than my friend, Howard Bryant. Howard, welcome to Burn It All Down. Oh, I'm back. I'm loving this. Actually, am I even back? Is this the first time? It's the first. It's the first. I'm here. I I just want to thank everyone who made this possible for me to get here. All the people. Everybody. All the people. (laughs) Especially the little people. I'm loving this. Well, we're happy to have you and what a good time to do it because uh, I know you have thoughts. So I, you know, when this announcement came, I think the initial response was like, long overdue, the Negro Leagues were always major. And then it was this kind of celebratory moment. And for me, that gave me pause because I wasn't quite sure what was being celebrated. And I wanted to ask you if you had some similar ambivalence and, um, you know, what is your first take on on this announcement? Yeah, I think that absolutely, I think the checklist was the same. It was long overdue. Okay, check. Um, well, recognition, well, they didn't really need your validation, but okay, check. But also, what actually just took place? What are we doing to the record books here? So are they adding the stats? To me, that was the number one thing. It was, are they adding the stats? I talked to Bob Kendrick, who runs the Negro League Museum in Kansas City. His initial thought was more about validation. He thought it was a great thing in a lot of ways, but he was also trying to make sure we understood that it wasn't as though all of these Negro League players were just waiting for MLB to finally tap them on the shoulder and say, hey, you're worthy. It's not that. For me, my position was, was it possible for Major League Baseball to recognize this status, which is long overdue, and leave the record books alone. To me, leave the record books alone. And you want to leave the record books alone, not only because, to me, the records are sacred and because the stuff doesn't make sense when you start adding people in that didn't play in the major leagues, but you also, are you creating, and as a historian, I think you can appreciate this especially, Amir, are you creating a huge problem 
50, 60, 100 years from now when everybody's gone and you've conflated all these numbers and people, the institutional memory is already dead and people don't realize that, that the leagues were separate and people don't realize that you had incredible differences between the major leagues and the Negro leagues. And most importantly for me, I think my issue was, was that these African-American players have already carried the pain and they've already carried the consequences of segregation. They carried it for their whole lives. Doesn't the institution have to carry something too? Or do you just get to decide with a pen stroke that now everything's fair? That was my issue. My issue, the biggest problem I have with this is the idea that the institution gets to determine and choose how long it's going to carry its historical stain. And you can't do that. Yeah, no, I think that you put a lot on the table that's so important. I think the validation piece, you know, is 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 kind of quick, but so important to say, like, again, this is not something that needed to be bestowed on the Negro Leaguers. Everybody already knew that they were the best talent. People already knew that they were valid. And so I like how you phrase it, like, is one pen stroke writing a wrong? Does Major League Baseball get to wake up and be like, guess what? We made this announcement. All's good. All's fair. And I think one of the biggest things that you point to is that there is huge disparities with the Negro Leagues and the Major Leagues because there's huge disparities with Black institutions that were needed to survive during Jim Crow. But I I had to put it somebody like this, when you think of Black colleges or Black schools or Black medical facilities, that came up during segregation, that carried the kind of stain of subjugation, those resources were not fairly allocated. Like you're talking about subpar things in the Negro Leagues, you know, as much as we talk about them, there's a sense that sometimes we romanticize. And I don't think that it does anybody a service to act like they were just two parallel leagues, one happened to be black and one happened to be right. Can you speak to that a little bit? What was the condition of the leagues? Yeah, and that's exactly right. The reason why we call them the Negro Leagues, plural, is because there were so many of them and they were also unaffiliated. They weren't always connected because they kept folding because they didn't have the money. The original Negro National League, which was founded 100 years ago by Rube Foster in the YMCA, the Paseo YMCA in Kansas City, that Negro League lasted 11 years, 1920 to 1931. There were other Negro Leagues. There was the Eastern Colored League. Then there was the Negro American League. Then there was the new Negro National League. There were all these different leagues, all trying, hunting and pecking to stay alive. And the Negro National League, the original, got wiped out by the Great Depression. And some of the games were official. And some of these guys, you know, to make ends meet, they had to play an official league game. Then they had to play some community team as a barnstorming thing for lodging and for food. And this is not the equivalent. And my problem with this isn't only that it's not equivalent, it's also that you can't run from your responsibility to those conditions if you're a Major League Baseball. You helped contribute to those conditions. The reason why one year some Negro League teams played 40 games and another year they played 75 games and all of those different types of scattershot record keeping is because of you, is because of your effect on those black businesses. And you've got to carry that. You're responsible for that. And I think that is the part that really sort of gets to me because it does speak to this idea of the sort of romanticizing the idea of separate and equal. The Negro Leagues were separate, but they weren't equal. The players were destroyed. The players weren't equal. The record books weren't equal. 
the conditions weren't equal, the accommodations weren't, none of it was equal. And it would be easier to sort of annex this if you could say that, if you could say that, okay, well, there were just these two leagues and one was black, one was white. But what baseball is doing by doing this is they are taking the easy way out, in my opinion, and escaping their role in how hard segregation was. And the other thing, the biggest thing to me is that Major League Baseball, because it's fashionable now to celebrate Josh Gibson and to celebrate Buck O'Neill and to celebrate Satchel Page and the Homestead Grays and the Negro Leagues and the rest of it, they get to escape the fact that they used the Negro Leagues as justification for segregation the way they ridiculed those players, that the players weren't disciplined, that the league was illegitimate, that the owners were gamblers and the owners were, you know, were part of the underworld, that it wasn't just that there was another league that was separate and it had black players. It was that your behavior is the reason why you can't be part of the mainstream integrated society. And now they want to co-opt all of this. It doesn't work that way. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that for me, I'm thinking about how they benefited from, you know, using the Negro Leagues as a a farm system. They weren't compensating talent when we get to integration. And I think this liberal integrationist narrative as if it's the goal, as if we all then get folded into that dominant institution and have this shared history that then flattens the very real power dynamics there. And I think about this a lot when I think about all the ways that Major League Baseball has tried to clean up this image over time, right? So I'm thinking of Satchel saying like, you've turned me from a second class citizen into a second class immortal. When you have this kind of initial folding in the Negro Leaguers and you have their like separate wing in the hall and things like that. I feel like they've struggled with it. I think back to earlier this summer, which I know feels like a millennial go in pandemic years, but how late to even post their like corporate statements so many teams were and Major League itself was and how when those statements came they were all very watered down predictably using images of Jack Robinson and it's like if that is still what you're hooking into how much work have you really done here and we know that there's rife inequities still plaguing the major league. And so the the sandpapering effect that you point to, Howard, this idea that, you know, who does this move benefit? Well, I look around and I'm like, well, who benefits from this except for the MLB? And like you pointed to in 60 years and 100 years, if the record books look like it was even keeled and just they're integrated with no sense of disaggregation, with no pointing to of this very specific history, you can see how the MLB stand the image stands to rewrite history, flatten it up, sandpaper it over and make it smooth where it was really, really rocky. No question. hundred percent right on that. And, and the other part of that is I understand the intention. The intention in a lot of ways was a reparation. The intention in a lot of ways was to say, let's make amends for this. I don't think this was the right way. I just don't feel, I feel like it was completely possible for them to elevate the Negro Leagues to Major League status and leave the record books alone. Yeah. They also could have, if you wanted to honor the history, is you could have elevated the Negro Leagues to Major League status. You could have had every single one of the 30 owners go into their petty cash and hand over a million dollars and send it to Bob Kendrick and keep the Negro League Museum going in perpetuity. I you was about have- to ask about that because Tay Diggs is raising money for the Negro League Museum. Like this is, like, put your money where your mouth is. Major League Baseball is now a partner with the museum and everyone knows that you know, that museum, we have a very difficult time surviving without the Major Leagues. And so we, 
let's also not forget, let's go back 26 years to right before the 94 strike with the Cooperstown collection, where the you know MLB started to get into the very trendy, fashionable Negro League apparel game. So all those Homestead Grays jerseys and all those Kansas City Monarchs jerseys, MLB gets a piece of that. And so there's a lot to this that has to be considered. I think the other part of it too, just from a record standpoint, is so now you're looking at this and so you've got these 3,400 players who are affected. And so now Willie Mays' batting average just went down. Mm-hmm. Willie Mays has swung a bat since 1973. And so his batting average went from 302 down to 301 over a number of at-bats. I think he got 17 more hits because he was playing as a 17-year-old in the Negro Leagues in 1948. And... So now he's got 17 more hits that came three years before his debut in Major League Baseball. Right. It's just, are we, is it well-intentioned? Yes. Is it smart? I don't love it. I don't like it. I'm not hostile to it, but I don't understand the necessity for it. I just didn't think it was necessary. And also, I think the other piece to that is the fact that this was a reaction to 2020. Yeah. Remarkable, amazing year. And I think that the George Floyd impact, the Black Lives Matter impact, the pandemic impact, all of these different things, sometimes institutions feel like they have to do something. And I had spoken to a source over at MLB on this who told me that we wouldn't have done this in 2019 and we wouldn't have done it in 2021, which tells me that you probably shouldn't have done it at all. Right. Right. And I think that brings me to like kind of my concluding point is that when I see the Negro Leagues, I see something that, yes, we celebrate the talent, but their very existence is pointing to a condition of inferiority, the very existence of Black. And this is the hardest thing um, even Black people within institutions during Jim Crow talked about. The hardest thing to do was love and pour love and resource and sweat into an institution that you knew existed to remind you of your inferiority. And I think to kind of tie it all together, you talked about this as a kind of sort of reparations. And it's funny because you know reparations are are demanded. They're not usually easily given. And that's kind of I think the lens which to see this is, like you said, it's that pen stroke. It's this born of 2020. It's this thing. And it's like, if we really sat and consider what are steps that Major League Baseball can do, should be doing, or who are people they could actually be in conversation with? Um, what are the asks moving forward? How how do, do we live with this past, you know, or are there actual tangible things to do to address it? I know for me, when I think about this, I think about, you know, opening up access to the game in a variety of ways, opening up the front office in a variety of ways, like I think kind of forward looking for it, but that doesn't necessarily wrestle with the historical harm. And, I, and it's a hard question, doesn't necessarily need to have an answer, but I'm wondering what an actual atonement and reckoning for their complicity in segregated baseball and in the historical kind of sins would look like beyond a pen stroke. Yeah, exactly. All the above, all of the above and believe in what you're doing and, and, and support the institutions and support the, the memory of it and support and also change your culture. If you really want to honor the Negro League, support your culture and, and have a different culture, commit to a new culture And also the strength of an institution to me oftentimes is dependent on your willingness to carry your own mistakes, to admit your mistakes, not to erase them, just to admit them, to admit them and to hold on to them as a guide as to what not to be. 
going forward. And I think that the disservice that has been done with the Negro Leagues, I think a lot of good work has been done to keep those stories alive and to keep those people alive. The legend of the Negro Leagues and of the Negro League players is far more valuable than some statistical batting average. Whether or not Satchel Page did what Satchel Page did, you know, did he really sit down all the outfielders or, you know, or bring everybody off the field to strike a guy out? Did Josh Gibson really hit a ball out of Yankee Stadium? Did he really hit 800 home runs? All of these different things. The story of these legends is more important because what it did that the numbers never did is that it gave the players, it gave them their dignity, it gave them their lyricism, it gave them their poetry, it gave them all the things that baseball took from them. And that's more valuable to me than trying to, a hundred years later, decide who gets a higher batting average. Absolutely. And a hundred years later, in a year where we've suddenly seen the Washington football team change its name, the Cleveland baseball team change its name, MLB decide that <laughs> Negro Leagues are major leagues, the Mississippi State flag, you know, change. I think you're right on the head that 2020 has produced the conditions where all of a sudden the line, you know, for corporate response moves, but it just leaves a taste in your mouth. Like these are all things that could have been done, right? That, that it's frustrating that this is the bar. Uh, baseball took Kennesaw Mountain Landis' name, took, took his name off of the MVP awards. Right. Once again, all of these things that are happening, you try not to be skeptical about it, but you do ask yourself the question of who does this serve? Is this to make you feel better? Because we've already carried it. We certainly have. And um, what a heavy, heavy burden that has been. And um, I really appreciate you taking the time to break it down. Um, and, I, and I hope that people receive the nuance and think through this in a way that allows us to celebrate those stories that Howard pointed to and the real kind of heart of the people who made up the institution of the Negro League without romanticizing it or giving too many flowers to an institution who did very little other than, you know, sign <laughs> sign a, a proclamation. Mm -hmm. So here we are. Oh, sports in the year 2020. But Howard, <laughs> I thank you so much for joining us on, on Burn It All Down and we wish you all the best. Oh, my pleasure. Happy holidays to everybody.